Right, good evening. Uh, we're studying, rather we're continuing our study of the Baptist Catechism, as you all know. Uh, and tonight uh, we're going to be in question 15. And that question is, what are God's works of providence? What are God's works of providence? Uh, for an introduction, go back with me in time a few months in our study of the Catechism. Uh, about four months, I think. Uh, question 11 told us that from eternity... God has decreed all things that come to pass. Every single thing that happens, happens because God ordained that it would happen in eternity past. That's what we just sang about. Nothing is beyond God. Nothing happens apart from his eternal decree. So then, literally everything that happens has been foreordained by God. Then, in question 12, the catechism asked, how does God execute his decrees? And the answer is God executes his decrees in the works of creation and providence. So God decreed all that comes to pass, and then he executes or brings about what he has decreed. The decree is an act in God where he ordains all that will happen, but the execution of his decree is God acting in his infinite power and wisdom and holiness to bring that decree to pass. Right, just think about it. Uh, in order to bring his decree to pass, he must create the world, for there was nothing in existence apart from him when he decreed. But he decreed that the world would exist, and many other things would happen in his world. So he created, he made the world, he executed his decree. So then we looked at questions 13 and 14 that had to do with God's creation of the world and God's creation of mankind in particular. And now we come to the second aspect of how God executes his decree. Providence. That's what our question has to do with this evening. What are God's works of providence? Now, here's a summary answer in my own words. God's works of providence are God's sovereign ruling over literally everything in the universe. God's providence is his working within his creation to bring to pass all that he has decreed. And since his decree is exhaustive, and extends to literally everything and all that comes to pass, God's providence then extends to literally every creature and every action and every single everything in the world. God's works of providence are, simply put, his control and reign over all things in time and eternity to bring to pass all his holy will for his creation. A simple phrase for you to remember God governs all his creatures and all their actions. This is divine providence. Right? That is God's work of providence. So then, tonight we're going to consider the fact that God controls everything. Not only is he decreed, but he works in his world to bring everything to pass. He reigns over all. He is king of all. He is not idle. Right? He's not the watchmaker who made the world and then sits back. Rather, he's constantly at work bringing to pass his will for the world. Now, before I go on, I, I want to say something. This sermon may raise questions for some, right? If God is governing all things, then that includes the actions of all men and angels. And that would then include the sinful actions of all men and angels. So some people will ask, naturally, how does that fit with man's responsibility for sin? And how does that fit with man's freely acting within history? Now, it's not within the scope of this sermon to answer those questions this evening, but I, I want to encourage you, those are legitimate questions to ask, and I would love to talk with you if you have them. 
Um, and I kind of answered some of this this morning in uh, the Sunday school class. But for this evening, let me say this, and I think it should be enough for us for now. God's word reveals, as we will see, that he governs all things, even the sinful actions of men. And yet he also reveals that man acts freely in all that he does, that people really do what they want to do in their hearts. And God has also revealed that he holds men responsible for sin and that he doesn't make anyone sin. Um, Remember, Acts chapter 2, verse 23, and Acts chapter 4, verses 27 and 28. I'm going to read them in a second. But these two portions of scripture will anchor you even if you can't get to the bottom of it all. And none of us can get to the bottom of these questions entirely. But these two passages, I think, will anchor you in your answers. Peter says in Acts 2.23, speaking to the Jews, This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. And then in Acts 4.27 and 28, the believers prayed, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So those texts, both of them, looking at them together, they affirm that sinful men willingly and gladly killed the Lord Jesus Christ. They also affirm man is responsible for his own actions because men really wanted to do what they did. And yet God had planned, purposed, and brought to pass the death of the Lord Jesus. None of us can deny that God ruled over and governed the crucifixion of Christ in order to save sinners. We must simply accept all of the biblical data. God reigns over all the sinful actions of sinful men, and sinful men really wanted to commit them, and sinful men are really responsible for what they've done. We have to accept all those things to be true at the same time because God says they're all true at the same time. Even if we can't fathom or reconcile it in our finite human minds, it doesn't change what the scriptures say. We have to deal with it and believe what the holy God who never lies has told us. So then, I just want to say that before we go further. The sermon this evening will be dealing with God's providence. And our big theme is this. God controls it all. There are no accidents. God rules his creation. He is never far away. He is always at work. And he is at work to bring all his holy will to pass. Brothers and sisters, I'm going to say what the psalmist probably many times in this sermon. Your God reigns. Remember that. Now, with that said, I'm going to pray for God's blessing on the preaching of his word. And then we're going to dive into our catechism question. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to gather on the Sabbath with your people to worship you. We ask now that you would humble our hearts and make us receptive to your truth by the powerful working of your Holy Spirit. Open our eyes to the scriptures and cause us to behold wondrous things in your law. Grant us faith to believe what you have revealed and to rejoice in the truth that you alone are God and you reign over all things. Sanctify us in your truth. Your word is truth. We ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. All right, so let's, uh, let's do our question for this evening. I'll read the question, and I ask that you would read the answer with me. Question. What are God's works of providence? Answer. God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. Let's do it again. 
Question, what are God's works of providence? Answer, God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful preserving and governing all his creatures and all their actions. Right on. Sometimes I, I want to do it many times and see how many times I can get you to keep going. Uh, but now our catechism flatly affirms here that God controls everything. He preserves and governs all his creatures and all their actions. It's totally exhaustive. Right? If it has been created, then it is preserved and governed. That is, it is, it is kept in existence and ruled over by God. And since God has made all things that exist, and he himself is the only uncreated being, then he preserves and governs literally everything in the universe. He determines when something comes into being, what happens to it while it's in being, and when it passes away. He preserves. And while something exists, it does exactly as God desires it to do. He governs. The big idea being affirmed here is that the entire creation is dependent upon God and is directed in all things according to his holy will. Even Tobias coughing in Nigel's face. Directed according to his will. (laughs) So let's consider God's providence in general. What does the scripture say about this? Well, it's very broad. There, There are sweeping declarations all throughout the Bible about God's universal rule. Psalm 103 verse 19 says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. God's kingdom rules over all. That is, God is king of the world. His governance is universal. Nothing's left out here. I don't mean to insult your intelligence, but if God's kingdom rules over all, then there is nothing anywhere outside of his dominion. And this extends then to all realms. I got this from a Puritan. I really pre- I got actually well, pretty much everything from a Puritan. <laughs> but this self-consciously. God's rule then extends to all realms. As Psalm 135 verse 6 says, Whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. Think about this. God reigns in heaven as well as earth. Divine providence then extends much further than just the physical world around us. It extends to the heavenly realm, and it extends to all deeps. I don't think that's just water, the seas and all deeps. Even the deepest depths of hell and the pit, all deeps. So our God reigns over all realms. This this made me smile to think about this. He does whatever he pleases, and he does so everywhere. Everywhere. And he rules over all creatures, not, not only in sovereign authority, but in the preservation of all things. Hebrews 1.3 says of the Son of God, and therefore this applies to every person of the Trinity as well, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. You ever consider that? The universe continues to exist because God wills it to exist. He upholds it. And if God ever ceased to uphold the world, it would cease to exist. It would dissolve into nothingness immediately. I remember hearing a preacher, he was preaching on this idea, or this doctrine, and he said, if God ceased to uphold the platform that I am preaching on right now, it would pop out of existence and I would hit the floor. 
God upholds all things by the word of his power. So this world then does not exist independently of God's providence. It doesn't exist apart from him. In governments with, uh, with kings, you hear, we serve at the pleasure of the king. You and I exist at the pleasure of the king. And so do all things in this world. God's providence also extends to, and I know a lot of these are stepping on each other, extends to all inanimate creation. Job 38.31 says, Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades or loose the cords of Orion? In that verse, God is challenging Job. And God is saying to him, I control the stars. Can you do that, Job? <laughs> it's a very funny chapter, right? God just keeps going on and on at Job. I'm God. You're not God, Job. Know your place. But he says here, I control the stars. So then God controls inanimate creation. The stars are just one example. Even the rocks of the earth exist and lay where they do at the command of God. R.C. Sproul talked about this with dirt one time, how dirt obeys God. He said, when you get it wet, it turns into mud, just like God wants it to. When you let it get dry, it turns back into dirt, just like God wants it to, and it stays where it's supposed to, unless God blows wind on it and makes it move. Everything, even the inanimate creation, does exactly as God wants it to do. And God reigns over irrational creatures, over the animals. With reference to the plagues that God sent upon Egypt, Psalm 105 verse 31 says, He spoke... And there came swarms of flies and gnats throughout their country. So at the word of the Lord, insects came upon Egypt. God controls animals. And you'll remember that the frogs did the same thing. So then animals are ruled over and controlled by God. He preserves and governs irrational creatures. Remember also the weather. In Egypt, God made it rain hail and lightning as a plague. He also blacked out the sun in the land of the Egyptians. He functionally turned the sun off in that land. We see this also whenever Jesus in Matthew 5.45 says that God makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Our God reigns over the weather. And just real quick, this is something I hope you, hope you remember. And I'm not saying this to try to be funny. You know how sometimes people complain about the weather? They're complaining about God. Who controls the weather? So who really are you complaining against? Our God even controls the weather. Brothers and sisters, creation is never independent of God. He upholds the world by his works of providence, and God governs all things in this world by his works of providence. There is no separating the world and all that is in it from its creator. He is involved. He is not sitting back and watching the world go. The universe belongs to God, and so he governs everything in it. As Charles Spurgeon once said, and I think this is great, I believe that every particle of dust that dances in the sunbeam does not move an atom more or less than God wishes. You ever seen sun ray come in through your living room and you can see the dust in it? That's what he's talking about. I don't think any of those particles of dust move a millimeter less or more than what God wants it to do. Christian, your God reigns over everything. Now, we could be finished with, with only those things said. Maybe some of you wish I would, but not that kind of a preacher. <laughs> those texts are broad enough to establish the doctrine of God's providence. But the scriptures say more. 
And I believe that God has said more about his preserving and governing his creation in order to make the truth sink into our hearts. What I'm getting ready to say is true of every doctrine, but maybe just in the past week and thinking through this, it's, it's become more real to me. This is not a doctrine to be memorized. This is a truth about God to be embraced, lived in, and rejoiced in. So God gets specific in the scriptures about his works of providence. And I think that he does so because he wants us to own his hand in all things. You know, God actually pronounces a curse on those who do not recognize his works. Psalm 28, 5. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of his hands, he will tear them down and build them up no more. If we are to worship God in all things as the word of God commands us to, then we must be quick to own the work of his hands. So then let's consider now some of God's works of providence in particular. God rules over the span of our lives. Job 14.5 says, Since his, that is man's, days are determined, and the number of his months is with you. God gives life, and God takes life away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He doesn't sit back and wait to see how long we live, but he brings us into the world by his hand, and he removes us from this world when and how he sees fit. Truly, our lives are in his hand, and he determines our days. Did you know this? Nobody dies by accident. We talk about that. It was ruled an accidental death. I understand what people mean by that, but not in an ultimate sense. That doesn't exist. There are no accidental deaths, not in the ultimate sense. But our God doesn't just rule over our lifespan. He rules the dash in between our birthday and death day as well. He rules over our lives. He governs all our actions. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Oh, you do things. Yes, you absolutely do things. And you really desire to do all the things that you do. And you are really responsible for what you do. You plan your way, and then you walk in it. And at the exact same time, and this is a holy mystery, But at the exact same time, you are doing exactly what God in his secret will has determined you to do. You cannot act apart from him. Every step you take, every action you take, all of it is under the reign of the Lord. There has never been a man who has taken even a single breath apart from the providence of God. How much less have men committed an act apart from him? The Lord governs our lives and our actions. He is the one who gives us the ability to do our natural, what I call just human living actions. As Paul says in Acts chapter 17, verse 28. For in him, this verse, I used to think it wasn't that profound, but it really is. For in him, we live and move and have our being. Your ability to act comes from God's hand. All power belongs to God, and so we live and move in Him. We cannot act apart from Him. We cannot do a single thing without God first lending power to us for us to then be able to do. 
So then, every act, even the most basic act of a beating heart or getting up from a chair, is governed by God. If he does not give power to do, then we cannot do. You say, we cannot do what? That's the point. You cannot do anything. It's not just, and this, and this is where we're going to disagree with some of our Arminian brothers and sisters. It is not just the special actions of men that are governed by God, but all the actions of men are governed by God. Because in him we live and move and have our being. Even the natural things that we do, the regular things about being a human being, come from him. And he is the one also who has given you your ability to work. And again, it's like some of these step on each other. But God has blessed you providentially with various talents and abilities and aptitudes. It is he who has strengthened your mind and your hands to do whatever it is that you do. Consider Exodus chapter 35, verse 31. There, speaking of a man who was to do skillful work for the tabernacle, we read, And he, that is God, has filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship. I don't know, like, do you self-consciously think about this stuff? Like, do you... Do you honestly think, and I think that we, we, because we don't own God's hand in all things, we don't give a lot of thought to this, do you honestly think that you have the skill, knowledge, intelligence, and craftsmanship that you do simply because you just have it? Like Wyatt's able to do math really well just because Wyatt can do math. Do you think that's how that works? No. The Lord gives intelligence. It's a foolish thought to think that you can do the things that you do in your work just because you can do them. God has given you your abilities. If he providentially took your mind from you, would you be able to do your work any longer? No. You should recognize that all that you are able to do and accomplish is because he providentially grants it to you. To go on, all our good actions are ruled over by God. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. So God establishes all of our righteous steps. If we do good, if we do something that pleases him, it's because he has empowered us to do so. And even more than that, he's the one who has given us the desire to do good. As Paul says in Philippians 2, 13, For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. What's Paul saying there? Your desire to obey the Lord comes from the Lord. And your ability to work, that is to do the good that you desire to glorify the Lord, also comes from the Lord. So our righteous actions are ruled over by God. But even the evil actions, the sinful actions of men, are also governed by God. This is unpopular. In the book of Genesis... Joseph was sold into Egyptian slavery by his wicked brothers. They sinned against him greatly. In the end, God used Joseph's slavery to put him in a high place in Egypt and save many lives. But nevertheless, even though there's a silver lining, that in no way undermines the fact that Joseph's brothers committed a horrible sin against him. But what does Joseph say? What does the Bible say? In Genesis 45, 8, Joseph says, to his brothers. So it was not you who sent me here, 
but God. It was not you who sent me here. God sent me to Egypt. What does that mean? It means God was ruling over the wicked actions of sinful men. The brothers sinned against Joseph. They wanted to sin against Joseph. They really did it. They were really responsible for it. But even in that, they still did exactly as God had willed to be done. And so we can rightly say God sent Joseph to Egypt and he used the sinful actions of Joseph's brothers to do so. So then... This is one example that we could look at, but the point stands that God reigns over the evil actions of men. Nothing then, not even sin, happens apart from God's hand of providence. Nothing is apart from Him. To go more broad, we see that God rules over kings and kingdoms. This would be good for us to remember because most of us are not fond of our government, and I sympathize. For real. That means that he rules over the nation that we live in. And he rules over who is in charge on a human level. And he rules over how things go in any given nation. Daniel 2.21, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. Daniel 4.17, the sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones, to the end that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom He will and sets over it the lowliest of men. God determines who runs governments and what governments will exist, how long they will exist, when they will cease, and how they will fare while they exist. Not one thing is going on in any nation or with any human ruler that our God is not in control of. You know, our God even reigns over seemingly random events. Check this out. Some of you may not know that this is in there. No offense, but you don't read your Old Testaments like you should. 1 Kings chapter 22. It was prophesied that King Ahab, the king of Israel in those days, would be struck down in battle. God had spoken through a prophet and declared that it would come to pass. Knowing this, King Ahab was like, ah, I'm going to outsmart this prophet. He disguises himself and then goes into the battle to fight. And then we read this, 1 Kings chapter 22, verse 34. But a certain man, an unnamed man, a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. What a shot. The Syrian soldier had no idea that he was shooting at the king of Israel because Ahab didn't look like Ahab right then. And it seems that he might have not even really been aiming, but just shooting. But the arrow was true, and it hit its mark in between a very narrow place in the king's armor. And Ahab was struck down and died. Why is this? How did this happen? Well, because God controlled the soldier, the arrow, and Ahab. So what seemed random was not random. Why? Because God reigns over all. And this reminds us of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33. And this is, this is the ender, in my opinion. The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. God determines how the dice fall. What seems more random than that? Throw a pair of dice, what? That's still not random. 
the dice fall as God wills them. Brothers and sisters, I hope you can see and gladly confess that God, your God, reigns. He rules over every person, everything, every action, every everything. He is sovereign over the works of his hands. But not only does he govern, he also preserves. We've seen this broadly already, but I want you to see this personally as well. God's preservation simply means that all we are and all we have comes from his hand. He cares for, provides, and sustains provides for and sustains each one of us by his providence. You know, God keeps you alive. You say, oh, I know, he determines when I'm going to die. No, from moment to moment, he sustains your life. Psalm 66 verse 9 says of God, who has kept our soul among the living and has not let our feet slip. You've only made it this far in life because God hasn't yet taken your life from you. He alone keeps you among the living. Please hear me. Not your smarts. Not your good decisions. Not your strength. Not your plans. God preserves your life. He keeps you from danger and death. He keeps you in the land of the living. Think of all the times, and I'm sure we all have them. Some maybe more. Think of all the times when if you would have been on the road, if you'd have left your house two minutes earlier, you would have been in the accident ahead of you. You ever had that moment? I have. Or, or, or if something, I know, a car accident that I was in, if I would have been going much faster than I was going, I would have hit a propane tank display and probably blown myself up. And yet I stopped about two feet shy of it. You think of those things. Or think of all the times where if you would have done something just slightly, just a little different, you would have perished. Or if one of your children would have been just a few feet to the left, they would have been fatally wounded. But God has kept our souls among the living. He preserves us from moment to moment, and not one of us will fall to the ground apart from him. Now think about this. You eat every day. That comes from God's hand of providence to preserve you. We're dumb, and we think that food comes from the store. <laughs> no, food comes from God. Acts 14, 17, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he, he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. It is God who causes the crops to grow by his divine providence. He's the one who causes the rain to fall and the sunshine to come and the seasons to come and go. He has given you by the way, it's not, just, it's not just a pious practice like that people just made up to thank God at your meals. It's a, it's a recognition that there's never been a morsel of food enter my mouth that God did not give me to eat. That's a good thing to remember on a regular basis. Because if he did not provide, you would not have. And yet here you are, and here I am. Just one more example. God gives us physical rest. Psalm 127.2 for he gives to his beloved sleep. You ever felt refreshed after a time of sleep? It's because God gave you sleep. You ever say, well, does God give me sleep? You ever not been able to sleep? Who controls that? Yeah, some pregnant women are saying, yes, I, I'm not able to sleep. Well, we know that God providentially gives rest. He could have kept you awake, but instead he grants you sleep. Even your bodily rest comes from his hand. He preserves us. 
All that we have is from him. And listen, there's so much more that could be said, obviously. But I think this is enough for now. Brothers and sisters, we ought to be grateful. Everything that we are, everything that we have, everything is from the hand of the Lord. Truly, he preserves and governs all his creatures. Don't ever forget that. I mean this. There are enough things that come to us from God's hand on a daily basis that we should if we chose to, could be in a perpetual state of singing his praises and not be able to get anything done. We should worship him at all times. Knowing that God is, is providentially reigning should cause you to own him in all things and recognize him standing behind all things. Don't ever forget that he reigns over you every moment of every day. You know, brothers and sisters, there is no such thing as, as chance or randomness in God's world. I hope you know that. Things may seem, right? We talk about, oh, like that was a chance occurrence. I understand what we mean. And if you're speaking in a merely human way, I think that's okay. We're saying the event seemed random to us. But listen, it was not actually random because God rules. To truly believe that chance exists is to functionally be an atheist. Since God is, all things are governed and preserved by Him. So again, I say we must own God's hand in everything that we see in this world. We must recognize, as I'm going to get into here in a moment, that whether happy or hard, God is reigning over every situation and everything that we see and even things that we do not see. His wisdom is infinite and He does all things well. At the back of all things stands the holy God who is working all things for his glory and the good of those who love him. Remember this truth in everything as you walk through the world. Brothers and sisters, to believe in divine providence is simply to believe that God is. But let's get personal again. For this doctrine is a very personal thing. It affects every single one of us in every aspect of our lives. So first... This means and necessarily means that all of your hardships come from the providence of God. Every hard thing that you have ever had come upon you, from a broken down car, a bruised arm, or a headache, all the way to the death of a child or cancer, has come ultimately from the hand of God. Since God rules over all, whatever pain has come upon you has come from providence. And look, I know that can be a hard pill to swallow. But it is what the Word of God teaches. And I believe that it is also a great comfort for us. He rules over all. So again, even the bad things that have happened to you have not come apart from Him. We saw this earlier, but I'll remind you, Joseph affirmed this in the book of Genesis. Sold into slavery by his brothers, became a slave in Egypt. He was falsely accused of attempted rape, and he was imprisoned for years. He was sinned against horribly and many times. He suffered much mistreatment. He suffered much physical and emotional pain, I am sure. And yet, what does he say? So it was not you who sent me here, but God. And later he says in Genesis 50, 20, As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. You meant evil, my brothers, in what you did, but God meant it. What is that? The evil thing you did. He meant it at the same time you meant it for evil. He meant it for good. 
God was working in all the hardship. It was a hard providence. Let's not downplay that. I think a lot of Christians do because they say, well, everything worked out in the end for Joseph. Well, sure, but does that negate the years he spent in prison? I don't think so. Does that negate the suffering of being sold into slavery from your brothers who were supposed to love you? I don't think so. It was a hard providence, but it was God's providence nonetheless. Brothers and sisters, let us not be a foolish people as so many evangelicals are. Let us not be a foolish people who say that only the happy things come from God's hand. No, rather, let's own him in all things. Why? Catch this. If only the happy things come from God, then from whom do the hard things come upon us? Who is actually in control of your life if the hardships you suffer and endure do not come from God's hand? I shudder to think of any alternative, and you should too. So as odd as this may sound to 21st century ears, rejoice even in this. God rules your pain. And know this as well. Hard providences, I think this has to be said, Hard providences are no indicator that God does not love you or care about you. Some people think that. God caused me to miscarry a child. Why doesn't he love me? God caused me to lose my job. Why does he not love me? Many other examples, but let me ask you this. Would anyone say that God did not love Joseph? Of course God loved Joseph. Even more, would anyone dare say that God does not love his only begotten son? And Christ was beaten, bloodied, and nailed to a cross after a life of hardship. And all of that by the hand and plan of God. Hear me. God's heavy hand upon you is not necessarily an indication of his displeasure towards you. Sometimes for reasons that we do not yet know, but will someday. Our God brings suffering to his people whom he loves. God's providence is sometimes hard. But we must remember that he is doing something good and one day we will all say he has done all things well but even with this heavy truth do not forget don't forget that your blessings come from the providence of god too oh don't forget this whether they be big or small every good thing you have is from the lord your life your family anyone who cares about you your breath your food your clothing your transportation, your job, your home, your abilities, your working body, your senses, your lively mind. It's all from him. But even more than that, your children, your friendships, your church family, laughter. That one always blows me away. I'm, I'm able to laugh. Laughter, love, beauty, gladness, a full heart. All of this is from the Lord. Every good thing is from his hand. And oh, brothers and sisters, let us not forget that our salvation comes from him. Why do you know God? Why do you believe the gospel? Why do you find Christ beautiful? Why are you here this evening? Do you think you did that? You didn't do that. Your life has been governed by God every step of the way. Have you ever considered how you came to know him? He put someone in your life to tell you about the crucified and risen Lord Jesus who died to take away your sin. He could have just as easily not put that person in your life. But he put that person there. And then he gave you the desire to listen. 
and you found it beautiful. Why? Because he caused you to be born again, and he gave you the gift of faith. It's by his hand and his holy will that you are what you are. It is by his gracious hand of providence that you were converted to Christ. May we never on our lives ever forget that all we have and all we are comes from our God. Whether hard or happy, whether sorrowful or joyous, God's God providentially rules over us. Bless His holy name. We must learn to say with Job, the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we must learn to say with the psalmist, the Lord reigns. Now, my dear brothers and sisters, we we must also admit that God's works of providence are often mysterious. We have to say that, don't we? Romans eleven thirteen, Paul says, How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. What does that mean? His judgments are very deep. You and I do not always know why God does what he does. And anyone who says they do is a liar. We do not always know why he has ruled or governed in the way that he has. We can't figure it out. You can't. It's beyond us. You can't see how everything is fitting together or why God has brought to pass what he has brought to pass. I'll give you an example that's very near to my heart. There, were, there was, a, 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 I think, a one-year-old and a three-year-old that we went to church with, me and my mother, when I was a little boy. And they burned to death in a house fire. And their bodies they had to be buried together because they were melted together. Why? Lord, you say all things work together for your good or for your glory and the good of your people. But how does that glorify you? And what good does that do for your people? I don't know. I don't know. I still don't know. That's 20 years ago. I have no idea. We can't figure out why God does all that he does and how it all fits together. And we need to accept that. Some things are simply not for us to know, at least not right now. Not in this world. And instead of trying to break our brains to figure it out, we need to learn what David learned. I'm going to read you a psalm. It's three verses. It's one of my favorite psalms. Psalm 131. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. What's David saying there? God, I I don't lift my eyes too high to try to figure out everything. I don't occupy myself with things that are beyond my comprehension. But instead, I have learned like a weaned child no longer fights his mother for her breast, but can sit in her lap content. Lord, I have learned to be like a weaned child with you and just sit with you and let you be God. That's what we have to learn how to do. Brothers and sisters, let God be God and let that be enough for you. And know that he is your God. Let that be enough. So then this doctrine calls for response, responses in us. And they're all in our hearts. First, knowing that God governs and preserves all his creatures. 
should put trust and confidence in your heart. Trust and confidence in him. Your God reigns, so don't be afraid. He knows what he's doing. His providence is wise. No matter what befalls you, trust him. Why? For nothing can come upon you apart from him. And nothing can happen in this world apart from him. Trust him. Trust him. Second, knowing that our God rules over all should put us in a posture of silence and submission. That's what I was just referring to in Psalm 131. Brothers and sisters, do not complain. Do not complain. To complain about anything is to ultimately complain against God and his most holy, wise, and powerful works of providence. Accept his decisions over your life. Be silent before him. Have a silent trust in his will and submit yourself to his reign. Now hear me. Don't misunderstand me. Take your pain and take your sorrow to him in prayer. Pour yourself out before him. That is no sin. That is what we see all over the place from pious men in the word of God. But do not complain against him or think in your heart that he does not have the right to do as he has done. Rather, embrace all that he has given. As the hymn we're going to sing in a moment says, I take content what he has sent. Whate'er my God ordains is right. And third and lastly, knowing that our God controls all things should cause us to be full of praise and thanksgiving. Christian, praise him for his kindness towards you. He has given you all that you have and you have much. Even if all you have is the Lord Jesus Christ, you have more than you could have ever hoped for. And you have more than you'll ever need. Everything we have in our, everything should cause us to cry tears of joy and sing the highest praises to our God who has given us everything. So Christian, trust him, submit to him, and praise him for your God reigns. May the sovereign God plant these truths deep in our hearts that we might glorify him in all things. Amen. Let's pray. God, you reign. Seal these truths to our heart by your spirit and cause us to own your hand in all things. Have mercy on us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.